Welcome back to Radio Chat Skill. I'm Tim Bruno. New York's top politicians have been outspoken and unwavering in their support for Israel since Hamas's October 7th surprise attack killed at least 1,300 people there, including more than 1,000 civilians in what experts say were war crimes. They've been far less vocal about the humanitarian consequences of Israel's siege and ongoing counteroffensive, during which experts say the country has also committed war crimes and is in danger of conducting mass ethnic cleansing in Gaza. The reported death toll in Gaza has now surpassed 7,000, health officials in Gaza say. Chris Gilardi is an investigative reporter for New York Focus, and he looked into the New York ties to Israel that bring the Gaza war home. New York Focus is the state's only nonprofit statewide newsroom. Chris joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being here. Um, you know, state leaders have noticed, noted that New York has the largest Jewish population in the world outside of Israel, um, and that several people have loved ones that may have been affected by what happened there on October 7th, uh, including, you know, some of the hostage uh, hostages uh, hailing from New York, at least one in roughly 200 taken by Hamas. But what's going unsaid, as you report in your article for New York Focus, is that New York also has some extensive ties to the occupation of Palestinian land. What did you What did you find out? Let's talk about uh, some of the things that yeah, you found out. Um, we'll I appreciate get further you into it. That and appreciate you having me on and being willing to discuss this topic. Um, yeah, what happened on October seventh truly, truly horrible. And and New York has a lot of ties, as you said, to Israel. The Jewish community has a lot of ties to Israel. I, I personally um, have some friends who who knew people or knew of people who were affected by the October seventh attacks. Um, but with that connection to Israel and those personal connections also comes um, a lot of political connections and a lot of connections to the underlying occupation of Palestinian land that really is the backdrop to the current conflict. Um, basically, my co-reporter Julia Rock and I uh, wanted to write an article that really, um, with the increased attention that really outlines that, um, where we rely on a lot of reporting um, from other very talented reporters um, from the past few years. And basically what we found um, is that, well, for one, there's been a huge backlash to any sort of nonviolent um, protest or nonviolent organizing um, against Israeli occupation. That, that includes the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement that seeks to exert economic pressure <clears throat> on Israel to abide by international law. Um, it also includes um, the New York support for Israel also includes investing its retirement funds and boosting um, its its financial power. But I think probably um, most egregiously, it it includes um, a lot of organizations that are that function in Israel, specifically in the West Bank, um, that are aiming to kick Palestinian um, residents, longtime Palestinian residents off their land to um, create smaller and smaller uh, Palestinian enclaves in the West Bank. Um, that are, And those organizations are, a lot of them are NGOs, some are private companies that are based in New York. And there's been some organizing, um, especially this year, trying to call out uh, their tax-exempt status that's based in New York, um, but that's hit um, a lot of red box in Albany. 
So U.S. officials have long held that the best hope for Gaza is a two-state solution, um, but that seems to have dwindled, obviously. Um, and in your reporting, and you, you mentioned in the Occupied West Bank, uh, which is the main site for the supposed future Palestinian state, that that amount of land in Palestinian hands has shrunk, uh, partially because settlers uh, from across Israel have taken it, but also in coordination with some of these New York-based organizations. Can you talk a little bit more about the New York-based organizations and what you found in your reporting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you set that up. You set that up well. The, the, whenever there is a big war or there's a big attack and uh, there's a big humanitarian crisis in Gaza or in the West Bank, U.S. officials really like to say that the overall, the final, the the big solution is this two-state solution where Israel will have a state, Palestinians will have a state. They'll um, coexist with borders. Um, But for the past, for several decades, that has been um, a dwindling possibility, um, mainly because the Israeli government has um, given the green light to these settler organizations to breach the West Bank, to create new communities in the West Bank and shrink and isolate the Palestinian territories there. These settler organizations are um, a lot of them are loosely organized. Some of some of them are funded by um, NGOs, and so the the ones that we found um, through others' reporting from the past few years um, that are based in New York. There's a group called Nahalat Shimon, um, which actually recruits people from. Um, both Israel and the U.S. <clears throat> to go and occupy these these settlements. I don't know if people might remember. There was a very uh, famous video a couple years ago where this Palestinian woman was yelling at this man um, that you are stealing my house. And this was in occupied East Jerusalem. That woman was Muna El Kurd. That man was a man named Yaakov Fauci. He was from Long Island, and he was actually recruited to go to East Jerusalem to. Um, yeah, to, to occupy um, a neighborhood in East Jerusalem that they, they wanted for Jewish settlement. And he was um, recruited by this Nahalat Shimon uh, organization. There are other organizations. Um, there's one called um, the Israel Land Fund, um, and there's another called Regavim. There's one called the One Israel Fund. They all play uh, very different roles in this like greater effort to settle the West Bank and and shrink Palestinian territory. And they all have uh, taxism status in, in New York State. So there's an, um, several of them that you mentioned in your article in New York Focus, uh, some of them co- collaborating together, working closely, um, and that um, they are... Um, you know, uh, complicit, according to one of the folks that you interviewed, one of the assembly members that you interviewed, uh, in this uh, this war that's been going that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's the whole backdrop for the current war. It, it, it's not that um, Hamas just all of a sudden decided to attack Israel. As as absolutely horrific as that attack was, um, it, it did have a backdrop. There there have been. Um, like in in Gaza specifically, um, Israel has um, has put in place a siege for since around 2008. Um, so there, it's been very difficult to get supplies into Gaza. People describe it as the world's largest open air prison. But besides that, like in in the West Bank, 
um, the politics of the past many decades that have really culminated to this sort of um, unstable stasis that we're in. Um, yeah, the the settlements and are a ba- are the backdrop um, for the current situation, and I think um, yeah, it, it all it all ties together. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Chris Gilardi. He's an investigative reporter for New York Focus, the statewide nonprofit newsroom, uh, about a current article that looked into the extensive ties that some New Yorkers have to the occupation of Palestinian land that's deeply entwined in the current war. Let's talk about um, some of the New York politicians, not too many of them that have actually attempted to cut off the taxpayer subsidized flow of resources to Israel's settlement expansion. Um, but they seem to have been shut down. Yeah. So in May, um, an assembly member and a state senator introduced, it's called the Not On Our Dime Act. Um, And what it would do is it would um, allow the attorney general to cut off tax-exempt status for um, nonprofit organizations uh, that operate pretty much as the settlement organizations that I was describing. And it would also allow them to yeah, deny tax-exempt status for any future organizations that um, propose to do the same. Um, and it was roundly criticized by their mostly Democratic um, colleagues in the state assembly. Um, they called it as, uh, or they called it an effort to demonize Jewish charities. Um, they said it was an effort to uh, split the Democratic Party. Um, and, and that just really speaks to, I think, the status quo of the politics of Israel and Palestine. It's it, In the U.S. and in New York, I think it's very divorced from the realities on the ground. Uh, there, there have been political forces who have been very successful in saying that support for Israel, unconditional support for Israel, no matter, no matter what, is... Uh, support for Jewish communities and and equating those two things and really um, yeah disincentivizing people from um, looking into the realities on the ground and understanding what various types of support for the Israeli government actually means and that really came out with with this with this political dynamic back in May when it was just um, yeah, shot down by by a majority of, of the Democratic Assembly. And you also uh, report in your article for New York Focus about um, th- how that it's unlikely that the executive chamber, the governor's office, would uh, support any kind of Israel critical measures. Uh, this kind of goes all the way back to uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo and, and some of the orders he's he mandated. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, the the you know, the governor of New York state is not a federal official. Um, the governor has no real like foreign policy power, but especially since Andrew Cuomo has played um, a key role in the United States uh, relationship with Israel. So Cuomo himself um, back in 2016 signed an, <clears throat> an executive order mandating that the state divest from um, companies that participate in the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, which is the BDS movement I was talking about earlier, which is it's a Palestinian-led movement that um, encourages groups and organizations and people to not purchase um, from companies that either operate in the West Bank or in some other way um, enable Israel's um, crimes against Palestinian people. Um, 
So, yeah, since then, that executive order has, has been in effect. Documents we got show that um, the state office of general services is blacklisted between like 11 and 14 companies a year, mostly international firms. Um, and Governor Hochul has, has taken that up. So she um, actually last year threatened to divest $110 million that Albany held in Unilever Holdings because Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, which is owned by Unilever, um, threatened a West, West Bank sales boycott. Um, the company ended up quashing that boycott after Hochul's threats and some other legal threats that it had gotten. Um, and, and yeah, and Hochul's support, Hochul's re- also really taken up the, the mantle support um, for Israel just in the past few weeks. You saw we, um, or we saw that she traveled to Israel for a few days. Um, she has raised the Israeli flag. Um, she, the Israeli flag is currently at half mast um, in Albany near all the government buildings, which is all um, good and fine until you ask her about her um, thoughts on um, people in Gaza and civilians in Gaza who are experiencing this horrific um, siege and, and counteroffensive. When she was first asked about about um, what she would say to Palestinian New Yorkers who might have family in Gaza, um, of whom there are many, and my co-reporter went down to Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, to talk to some. Um, she said that they should um, condemn Hamas and that they should, uh, yeah, divorce themselves from Hamas. And it's only recently that she started saying that there should be humanitarian aid. The humanitarian aid situation in Gaza is horrific, and the amount of um, aid going in is according to the UN, not at all sufficient to what the needs are. Um, They're running out of fuel. The hospitals are running out of fuel. Um, And yeah, every time she's asked about it, it's, um, it it seems to be, how can I, um, yeah, twist the statement into um, showing my support for Israel. Yeah. In your article, you mentioned that she spearheaded a letter to congressional leadership signed by 17 other governors urging them to send Israel more federal aid, but did not mention Gaza or the Palestinians. Um, you know, as as this situation uh, in Gaza uh, becomes worse and worse as, as uh, homes and hospitals and shelters run out of supplies, there's a imminent ground invasion that could kill thousands more. Um, you mentioned that there are few New York politicians that have actually pressed for peace. Yeah, um, extremely few. Um, it, it, we contacted a couple of them, and then we tried to speak to as many um, politicians we could um, on a short deadline. Um, and it seems to be a, a lot of them, I, w- I will say, a lot of them seemed to be taking their cues from the White House. Um, so uh, the refrain I kept hearing was, as the president has said, as the president has said. And as we know, President Joe Biden um, has you know, called for more humanitarian aid, but has also um, gi- yeah, uh, given Israel more or less the green light to do what it will. And that seems to be trickling down to the local level. And what about um, Americans in Gaza? You you know, there are uh, several folks, uh, and we've heard about uh, state, federal p- political leaders pressuring the government to help Americans and their families evacuate Israel. But are there the same kind of overtures to Americans in Gaza? It doesn't seem so. We, we uh, reached out to a few uh, federal officials based in New York who um, said that they were trying to send help to Americans in Israel. And we asked about... Um, 
Yeah, we asked whether they had extended that same effort to the estimated 600 American citizens currently in Gaza. Um, and we got some either non-answers, non-responses, or one saying that will help anybody who reaches out. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that speaks some volumes. And you spoke to a Republican U.S. Representative Mark Molinaro, who represents our district here in the Radio Catskill listening area. Mm-hmm. What was his response? He said that if any American citizens need help, our office helps. And that's that's all. Um, that, is, that is it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you were down in Bay Ridge with one of your, your co-reporter was in Bay Ridge uh, talking to some folks. And what, what were they saying about the the politicians and the companies uh, that are, you know, embroiled in this? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I will start by saying that the pain is just is tremendous. Um, the pain is tremendous for people who have family and friends and connections to Israel. The pain is tremendous for people who have connections and family and friends in Gaza and the West Bank. Um, it's palpable, especially with uh, people who have connections to Gaza. This this is not this is the most horrific of a series of wars and offenses going back to at least 2008. Um, the, the, the pain is real. The pain is palpable. We spoke to a, a few people who expressed just um, general disappointment in, in, in the double standard, um, but also were, were really kind of baffled by... Uh, we, we spoke to one man, uh, Zain Ramawi, who is, is kind of a community leader in Bay Ridge, who kind of um, expressed a little bit of bafflement at, um, one, the double standard, but two, considering that double standard, local officials' real um, willingness to wade into um, the waters of international affairs. It, it seemed strange to them that um, there was such outspokenness about... Um, in support of Israel's counteroffensive and in support of Israel's right to defend itself. Um, the Zain Ramawi, who I mentioned, uh, who we talked to, he heads the um, Arab American Federation, and he said that he had spoke to Mayor Eric Adams when he was actually running for mayor, um, back when he was borough president, and um, his, his organization actually supported Adams, um, and he said that his understanding after after speaking with Mayor Adams was that he would be a city's mayor and he wouldn't really wade into international affairs. And he's he's really kind of um, regretting his his support for for the mayor after these past few weeks. I'll be interested to see. Um, we have elections coming up. I'll be interested to see if um, if this has if if the last week's events have any effect on who comes out to vote and who um, supports whom. Um, that's to be seen. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And, uh, you know, before we go, any anything that you think might happen as you, as this story, as this, this terrible situation unfolds, as a potential ground initiative, uh, counteroffensive might happen, any uh, expectation that some of the politicians that you've uh, talked to or the folks that have been public will come out and ask for a ceasefire or press for peace as a few have? You know, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I, um, this is a huge issue. And I, it seems to me this, this is a little bit of conjecture, but it seems to me that politicians are not grasping the gravity of it. Um, the more, the more and more people, um, in Gaza who are killed, um, especially ahead of a ground invasion, which will just be a quagmire and will be horrible. Um, 
I honestly have no idea. Uh, it, it's really to be seen. I think whether they do so or not will come from um, their constituents, will come from pressure from people. The, the more people pay attention to this and the more people are angered over it, I think um, that increases the likelihood that um, politicians actually like, yeah, weigh in with something substantial, um, perhaps call for a ceasefire, perhaps um, put their political weight behind that. I, I, I will end with, I'll say that um, it, it, Americans generally um, are not great at foreign affairs. Our news does not, uh, we don't have a lot of international news in the U.S., um, even though our government has hugely outsized influence over, over global events. Um, and that's not just federal officials. That trickles down to the local level, as I, as I wrote in this article. So I would really encourage readers and listeners to take this opportunity um, to read more and educate themselves and um, get a grasp on the events because they really, um, even just the average New Yorker is, is a party to what's going on right now. Chris Gilardi of New York Focus, he and his uh, co-reporter Julia Rock have an article at NewYorkFocus.com right now. It's New York's ties to Israel, bringing the Gaza war home. They're reporting on some of uh, the politicians who have been less vocal about the state's ties to the occupation of Palestine and some of the organizations that have New York roots uh, about uh, how they are intertwined in this uh, war as well. Uh, you can find that article again at newyorkfocus.com. Uh, we'll also put it up on our website. Chris Gilardi, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this very complex issue. Thank you very much.